Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. We are honored to welcome Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated to the Screen the Screener Podcast today. Jeremy has been covering college basketball and pro basketball for Sports Illustrated since 2014. He's an official NBA draft expert, and you can find him on Twitter, at Jeremy Wu. Jeremy, thanks so much for a few minutes today. How you doing? Doing good. Thanks, uh, thanks guys for having me. Jeremy, listen, I need your help. I need you to talk me off the ledge here. You wrote in your April 20th article for SI that this year's draft class is deep near the top, but also at the middle. And of course, there's a great deal of talent across the board. I agree with you 100%, which is why I'm currently amazed at the number of underclassmen that have declared for the NBA draft. I think there's something, Jeremy, like 186,000 underclassmen (laughs) that are eligible for this draft. And some have signed with an agent, some have not. Uh, Did I miss something, Jeremy? Did the NBA draft become 15 rounds? Why do you think there's just this mass amount of of athletes declaring? Yeah, you know, I think, obviously, you know, we're going to see a lot of these guys going back to school. Um, you know, when, when the draft rules changed, uh, I think, you know, they were changed to, you know, in some ways benefit the players. And, you know, there are some kids who are doing it to try to create buzz for themselves. You know, there are guys from very small schools uh, who, you know, are not necessarily NBA prospects, but, you know, guys who want to turn pro, who want to at least have a chance to get the feedback. Uh, you know, we'll have a better sense, you know, when they when they release his invite to the draft combine, uh, you know, who the, the serious prospects are. Um, but you know it's it's normal. I think we're we're gonna have to get used to it. Uh, you know, seeing these types of numbers, but it is in some ways most screen, You know, not all these guys will be in the NBA, uh, but it is something that people sort of make maybe a little bit of a big deal about you know, every year when they see the numbers for sure. Yeah, they are. I, I mean, my issue is this: there are 14 lottery picks, right? The first two years are guaranteed. Third and fourth years are options. The team usually picks them up. If you are projected as a non-lottery pick, why would you not come back to school? People talk about injuries. Right, but it's very rare that a debilitating injury occurs, and that same injury could occur in summer league. I guess first season, you know, once they declare, they're there. They're stuck doing a, a vagabond trip through Europe, going to different European teams. If they don't make the NBA, there's always the D League, I guess. But if you're projected as a late first round, early second round guy, what's the benefit? Is there a drawback from coming back? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's so many different factors, uh, you know, in individual cases with kids that, you know, it's hard to have like a blanket answer for, for that. But, but I do think as a rule of thumb, like, it's not, you know, the lottery is the lottery, you're slotted in a certain way. But, you know, the whole first round is guaranteed money. So I think, you know, for kids, you know, if you can come out and be a first round pick, you know, you're just done with college. And, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think that's fine. Like, if you're on the radar, you know, not a lot of second round picks make it. Uh, but I, I think if you're, you know, one of the first 10 picks in the second round, you know, those, those are the types of guys usually with those picks, you know, hang around. And I think uh, it, it really does depend. Um, but I do think you'll see, um, like, uh, you know, as the, you know, the other aspect of this is like, why do we even have the one and done rule, right? If there's kids, right. who, you know, just are going to keep doing this, right? And, you know, one thing I think without getting too deep into it is it's like, I, I feel like high school players, you know, the rules are probably not going to change, but if it does, it's like, you know, why can't high school players test the waters in the same way? You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, you know, it could be two and none, whatever, you know, but that's not different. That's a question for another day. No, very true. And and listen, your NBA draft big board, we love. Uh, love your board. And I'll tell you why, Jeremy, because it's not traditional. You know, you have some very non-popular or, tra- you know, typical rankings in there, which I totally love. So let's just go through some real quick and, and I'll get your quick reaction. And, and I'll do some that I love and some that I want you to try to talk me off the ledge about. Uh, sure. The first one that you have right at the top, Markel Fultz. Listen, third team All American, had a great season, but are we sure that he's going to translate? He's going to be this good? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, you know, Fultz is a guy, uh, you know, been tracking for a few years back in you know, his high school days. Uh, you know, I saw him play uh, with the Man Catholic. Uh, you know, saw him at the Jordan Marion game. You know, he's been on the radar for a while. I think he just has a really good combination, uh, you know, of skills, athleticism. His, his talent level is very high. Uh, I think I think the biggest question people are going to doubt is, like, you know, why was Washington so bad, <laughs> which is fair, you know. Right, I, right. But I think I wonder if that's more of a product of the times, you know. I mean, you're seeing, you, you know, they're not—they were way worse than even Ben Simmons was at LSU. That team, but uh, you know, I, I think it's sort of a product of the one and done rule. You know, you get you get guys going places, and these are 18-year-old kids. You know, as, as good as they are, it's like hard to, you know, at any level of basketball, you know, it's hard to expect someone to change a program in one year. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, I, you know, that's that's the fundamental thing. No, that's true. And the thing that that, that sort of gets in my cross to me is the field goal percentage. You know, and and Fultz actually had a pretty decent field goal percentage. I, I've been in an argument to to switch the NBA for a second. You know, Westbrook versus Hard. And I had a bet with someone. I thought both those guys were going to shoot under forty percent for the series because mm-hmm. you know, and and I just think back to the Jordan years or even LeBron. You know, it's important to me that you know if you're going to be efficient with the basketball, you got to be able to make some shots. And honestly, Fultz did. Fultz had a good year with that with that percentage, and he he really wasn't a guy who just was a volume shooter. He had some some close to fifty percent games, so I, I think that that's that's really fair. Uh, one of the ones that I love completely is you have Jason Tatum at number two, and I completely agree. My partner Gus Kearns has been on Tatum the whole year. That's a good one. He's a well rounded kid. He worked hard and really came on in the second half of the year. Talk about Tatum a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The thing about Tatum is I think he's at this stage probably the most polished. Score in draft, you know, he's kind of he's got a lot of different moves. He has sort of a the makings of a mid post game, and he's had these for a while. Uh, you know, this has sort of been his bread and butter. You know, he knows what he is. I think the biggest thing was that Duke, and you saw it over the course of the year. Uh, you know, he gradually accepted you know the offense wasn't going to be only about him. Um, you know, he sort of you know made some you know strides uh, as an all around player over the course of the year at Duke, which I think is valuable. You know, because I I think the big question with Tatum is it's just like you know. You know, with, with the way he plays, and he's a guy who's going to score for you, but then it's just like, well, if he's not an elite elite level scorer at those things and isn't like, you know, a top star who can carry your team, uh, you know, that's like, you know, the more does he give you. But I, but I think that, you know, the more he, you know, rounds out his game, he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, I mean, the guys from Duke have a decent track record, track record as far as, you know, being solid contributors. Uh, you know, I like him there. I don't I don't know if his ceiling is quite as high as some of those guys, but I also think he's a pretty safe pick to, like, be a good guy for you. You know, so for teams especially that have, like, immediate needs, uh, you know, you need someone who, you know, is going to be able to play some minutes right away. I mean, I think that he has a pretty good case. Totally agree. Kind of like an Evan Turner guy uh, who, you know, is a guy who went early in the draft and then, you know, maybe hasn't been a star, let's say, in the NBA, but definitely has been a solid contributor over many, many years. The one that I love, completely agree. Can't thank you enough. going to applaud you here, Jeremy. Can't thank you enough. De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox, to me, he is a John Wall-esque type of guy. You plug him in. He's long. I've seen the Euro step, the ball handling. He can work on his jump shot. A lot of kids come out and have to work on the jump shot. But a lot of people have put other point guards, maybe West Coast point guards, Jeremy, ahead of De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> I, I love De'Aaron Fox. To me, he would be my number one overall. But I love that you have him number three. Yeah, and I think you know there are teams I know that you know have like Fox more than Fultz. So, you know, it's not like a clear, you know, I think the biggest misconception is it's like, oh, it's so clear cut. But, you know, consensus is really just, you know, what people are writing and, you know, teams all have different boards and people within teams have different boards. And, you know, I mean, so you never really know. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I love what Fox brings to the table uh, in terms of his athleticism. I think I was slow to come around on him because of the whole the whole jump shot question. Yep. But, you mm-hmm. know, the more, the more you see from him, you know, he's so athletic. Uh, defensively, he's probably, the, you know, uh, one of the, you know, 
best defensive point guards in the class. Uh, you know, physically he checks the boxes, and I think that you've seen not 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 necessarily put him in the same breath as you know a John Wall or Derek Rose yet, but in terms of you know guys who had success under Calipari in that mold, you know, really athletic. Uh, he's very good at getting to the basket, which I think is something that it's hard to teach. Yeah, you know, once you get to the NBA, um, and I think that you know the ceiling for him is sky high. He doesn't need to be. Steph Curry, a knockdown shooter, to you know to be a great, uh, you know, really, really fundamental foundational player for you. So you know that's why I'm high on him. Yeah, and I and yeah, no, that's great, and 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 that's my comparison with the next one, Lonzo Ball. I'm an old school guy, Jeremy. So to me, him walking off the court, I mean, saying that I'm declaring for the draft before he even hit really the locker room in the loss against Kentucky just bothered me. Okay. And he had quite an impact this year. He was a tremendous college player. Maybe I'm getting swayed by LeVar Ball <laughs> and the comments and all that stuff, which I'm sure that the NBA teams think about because people don't want to deal with that. Listen, I think Ball's a tremendous talent. You have him at number six, and I think he's a little bit of a notch below, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to score right away but what are your concerns with ball if any and compared to fox let's say sure yeah well i i think that fox has a better chance uh in terms of like his feeling you know fox could really be a star lonzo i i think i'm just ultimately i'm concerned about his ability to create his own shot yep um you know he's not a guy who you know he'll benefit from the you know there'll be more space on the nba but he'll also have you know defenders who you're going to focus on him uh, I think it, it, it's, it's been tough all year because not only because of just, you know the general uh, you know discussion come, you know surrounding him you know he's obviously was you know very pushed as a star on television a lot which I think can sort of sway uh, some of the opinions um, but I think that he it's just it's hard to like extract you know him from UCLA because so much of what they did uh, offensively which is awesome to watch was enabled by his talent right but then the question is will he be able to do that for an NBA team and you know I don't think I think he's going to be a good player I think he'll help someone. Uh, but I just don't know if he. I don't know if you can be a, a superstar point guard in the NBA right now without, you know, being able to, you know, really, you know, take over the game offensively when you need to. I um, yeah, I agree. I you know, agree. But if you look at it, if you look at it through the lens of like, you know, maybe he's your second best player, you could be really really good. You know, so it just it just depends where he goes uh, and you know whether going to commit to him. Uh, but I think you know he definitely has a chance to be a good contributor. But the reason why I'm a little bit lower on him is just because I think there is more of a chance that. Uh, you know, his strengths maybe don't translate quite as much uh, as we've seen. Completely agree. And that jump shot, too, that comes from sort of low there, I mean, the NBA players are going to pick up on that. So, I mean, it's something that he's going to have to to adjust with his offensive repertoire. Uh, we're talking to to Jeremy Wu from uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, really does a great job for SI. He's given us a, a few moments here to talk about some NBA draft. Next one, my partner and I are totally split on. Jonathan Isaac. Uh, let me give you the argument here, Jeremy. So Jonathan Isaac, to me, I understand 12 points a game, 7.8 rebounds, played in the ACC, 6'10", 210 pounds. I, I guess I'm just seeing him as a type of guy who could be a lottery pick, a high, high lottery pick if he returned. And I just have apprehension for a guy who scored in March two points against Miami in a critical game. His offensive skill set is sort of up and down. You know, he had a run there in, in gosh, in December and January. We were scoring single digits in every game. I understand that he has potential and the NBA loves that potential. I just feel like, couldn't this guy come back and be a 20 and 10 guy in college? I, I don't know. Am I off on Isaac? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's two, I mean, there's two different conversations. I mean, I think... You know, I think he definitely needs to come out just because you know he's going to be a lottery pick. Uh, you know that money is going to be there for him. And again, I think he's better off developing, you know, within an NBA system. Okay. Uh, I, I think you know if he goes back to Florida State, it's kind of effectively it can be sort of a waste, you know, a waste of time. 
Um, you know, he can, maybe he'll get better, but I, if I'm him, I'd rather get with the team now, start working on my body around the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. From that standpoint, you know, I think that that was the right decision for him. But I, I am also not as high on Isaac as some people are. I think that, you know, obviously, you know, physically, you know, his size is there. He obviously needs to get a lot stronger. Uh, you know, not a lot of guy, kids who are his size can, you know, shoot like he does. Um, but I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Brandon Ingram was last year. Um, but, uh, you know, he, something about him doesn't necessarily scream star to me, but he could be a very good, uh, you know, rotational player for someone if it kind of breaks right. But like you said, I think it was a little frustrating to watch him sometimes at, at Florida State. Uh, part of it was, you know, they had, you know, two ball dominant guards kind of running that team with uh, uh, Dwayne Bacon and uh, Xavier uh, Rathen Mays. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he's a tough case, but I think someone will t- roll the dice because, you know, not a lot of kids. Uh, that, that talent package with his size uh, is hard to find. Jeremy, help me understand. Why on earth would an NBA team draft Harry Giles? Harry Giles has had multiple knee surgeries. He comes to Duke. He doesn't play for most of the season. He ends up averaging 3.9 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game. You know, is really Harry Giles coming out at a time? I mean, is this a, this is, he's going to really be drafted in, in the top 15 picks? Maybe he is. Maybe I'm wrong. To me, he comes back. He dominates at Duke. He's a lock first round pick, but why would they take a chance on a guy with all these knee injuries? Yeah, well, you know, I think to, to fully understand Giles, like you have to go back and sort of see, you know, what he was uh, in high school pre-injury. Uh, you know, he was, you know, a really, really incredible prospect uh, in his first year as a high school. Um, and I, you know, people haven't forgotten that, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, I don't know, I don't know if, you know, I have him ranked where, where I have him, but it's been sort of a, you know, I'm like in the middle of the first round. It's been sort of a challenge, <laughs> knowing where to put him. Uh, but I, I do think, I, don't, I, I would be surprised if he slipped out of the first round. I don't know if he's a lottery pick. Uh, but for him, I mean, it's a no-brainer to go just because, again, if he gets hurt again, which is totally possible, you know what I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's going to want to have some financial stability. Like, it would be such a, a shame for him to never make any money, you know, off himself playing ball. Sure. Because if he gets hurt again, that's it, right? So it's just like, you know, I understand that standpoint. I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to know because, you know, his playing time is very limited at Duke, understandably. Um, but I think someone will roll the dice and, I mean, there, you know, at some point, the whole, the whole draft's a crapshoot. So it's like, you know, you why not? If you're a guy, especially maybe your team like Portland, who has three first-round picks, uh, you know there are worse things you can do with that pick. Oh, that's a good point. And then uh, one who's in the late rounds, who I love, sort of a reverse here, Caleb Swanigan. I feel Jeremy very, very strongly. He is a solid first-round pick. I love his improvement from freshman to sophomore year. And listen, he did declare last year without an agent, went to the combine, did not have a great combine, but he came back. He played more minutes this year. His rebounds were up. His points were up. He was almost 80% from the free throw line. And of course, the three-point percentage was over 40. I understand that his size is an issue, but to me, at some point, production's got to matter. Talk a little bit about Caleb Swanigan and where you think he's going to go. Yeah, well, yeah, Caleb is a really good example of a guy who, you know, used the uh, new rules to his benefit to get the feedback and come back. And, you know, I mean, he's in, obviously gotten in great shape. You know, it's funny. I remember him as like a 15-year-old kid, uh, you know, playing in AU. Sure. You know, he was, yeah. you know, obviously overweight. I never thought he was going to be anywhere near uh, this guy. But I've been really happy for him, really impressed. He's got a great story. Uh, you know, obviously, I think he has got a pretty diverse uh, skill set. You know, him adding the three ball this year was, you know, a really nice surprise. Uh, I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick, but I don't, you know, I think he'll be going somewhere in the top 40 if he stays in. Uh, you know, he's smaller, but he has you know long arms, which is going to help. Uh, I just feel like he is a guy who can be productive in, in the right role for somebody. Uh, you know, he you can see him, you know, as a pick and pop guy. You Definitely. know, he's a lot of ways he can contribute. 
so I'm, I'm I like I, I like Caleb. I, I really hope he succeeds too. He's one of those guys who really deserves to uh, to make it. I think. Totally agree. I was writing about uh, last night for BT Powerhouse about the underclassmen who I think are coming back. And, and uh, honestly, I think he's going to stay because I think he's a guy when he gets to that combine, he's going to go up even higher in the scouts' minds. And I, I, I'm rooting for him to succeed for all the reasons you said. Uh, some players that I like that I think can have sustained success in the pros that aren't being mentioned enough. What about our John Wooden Award winner, Jeremy Frank Mason? I understand he's undersized, but Muggsy Bogues, Spud Webb, Nate Robinson, most recently Isaiah Thomas. I think there's a place in the NBA, isn't there, for a guy who shoots 47% from three-point range, 80% from the free-throw line. He rebounded, he assists. Am I nuts here, Frank Mason? No, I, th- I think so, too. I think I think he'll get picked in the second round. Um I, I think he's worthy of a draft pick. Like again, second round, you know, you know what you're going to get necessarily. But uh, you know, I, I really like his his overall, you know, package, his toughness. Uh, he was incredible. Obviously, had an incredible season. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, he's the type of guy who I would want to put my tips on. I think long term. Um, and you know, you saw this year. You saw guys like Yogi Ferrell, uh, you know, pop up in you know different places. You go to the league, pop up, and end up you know getting NBA deals. Uh, you can put him in that tier, guys. I mean, he was better than any of those guys were in college, like you know Yogi Ferrell, like Quinn Cook, or whoever, right? So you know, I think I like his chances. Uh, but you know, again, there's a lot of point guards. Uh, you know, it's a lot of guys you know who have you know had sort of a similar story to him, who you know are overseas. Like you can look at like Shane Larkin who's playing in Spain now, right? So it's like you know yeah. you don't know mm-hmm. what that comes going to be, but I, I do like his chances. Uh, you know, making a roster uh, if he stays with it. Like you know, obviously it's hard to argue with what he did at Kansas. All right, and the last one for me, and then we'll get to your, some of your sleepers and second-round guys. Monte Morris, 6'3", 175 pounds, the assist-to-turnover ratio 5-1, to 16.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, 6.2 assists. I, I think, to me, this guy's a winner. And, and same question, what, what about Monte Morris? Yeah, well, I think the big question with Monte is who's he going to guard. You know, he's not incredibly athletic. Uh, I think that is, that's the big thing that people are asking about him. Uh, you know, obviously he's a you know very good playmaker. Uh, he'll you know he'll get you know whether or not he's picked, you know he'll get every chance at summer league. You know he's you know, his resume is, is solid. Um, I think he uh, he's, in terms of like pure playmaking and passing, he's one of the better guys in the draft. But I I think that the, the biggest question is just going to be who's he going to guard. Um, and I, you know just just that that's that's the simple uh, I think the knock on. Uh, but you know we've seen guys uh, with different profiles like that sort of succeed in the right situation and. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I do. I, I enjoyed watching him in college. Like, I think he's a very, very solid player. So, Jeremy Wu, Sports Illustrated. Who's your first round sleeper that you feel maybe is not getting the recognition? Maybe somebody in the late first round that you think could move up, maybe to like a borderline lottery pick. Yeah, well, you know, one guy I really liked all season uh, is DJ Wilson on Michigan. Uh, you know, I saw him. I caught. I did actually. You know, I did. It's funny. I didn't know who he was, and I was at uh, Michigan was playing SMU. Uh, New York, uh, so I caught that game earlier in the season. I was like, "Who is this guy?" Uh, but I really like his you know, his package of uh, you know physical tools, uh, athletic ability, ability to shoot the ball. Like, and then you know he was a little up and down. He sort of came on stronger late in the season, but at, at his high points, you know, he was really impressive. And uh, he, he's a guy who I I overall like his uh, his profile. I think he I, I think he could be you know in a league it's increasingly like you know you need versatile bigs. Uh, you know, I think he could be really valuable. I don't know if he's going to stay in the draft, but if he does, I mean, I, I would take him in the late first round. 
That's a great one. Versatility, scoring, and he really showed up in the tournament. Hit some big free throws in the tournament too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, and who's a second round guy? Sort of like you know, my partner and I are Bucks fans, so we got one more Bucks question for you. But who's a second round guy that has a chance to be this year's sort of Malcolm Brogdon that you think that maybe is in the second round but could really be a solid contributor next year? Yeah, one guy. One guy who I really like is uh, Derek White from Colorado, uh, who you know was not a guy who was like really on the radar coming into the season, uh, and now you know he played really well at the Portsmouth tournament. Uh, he was really good at Colorado this year. Uh, and it's, he has a cool story. He was like a he was a D two All American. Um, he's from Colorado, you know, transferred, did his one got one year, uh, you know, at Colorado and was one of the best players in the Pac twelve. Uh, so, you know, sort of a sneaky guy uh, who I think you know can help in a lot of ways. If you look at a guy like Brogdon, the success, the success he had, you know, I think uh, I think White has some of those sort of similar uh, tools, if not resume of like production. But I, I mean, I was impressed with him this season. Um, and uh, as an older guy, you know, I think he is a you know, player who I think people should look out for in the second round. Oh, great one. Thank you so much. And and last question here, then we'll get you out of here, Jeremy. So staying with Brogdon, my partner and I are huge Milwaukee Bucks fans. Hashtag fear the deer. Uh, do you think, <laughs> are they going to come through at home and force a game seven against Toronto? I feel like that game four was a, was a critical juncture, but what do you think? You're an NBA expert too. You, you write for Sports Illustrated, all these great things. What do you think? Are our Bucks pulling one out? Is this going to seven or is it ending on uh, tomorrow night? Uh, I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, uh, I was impressed. Uh, you know, with the way they came out of the gate. I mean, Toronto, obviously, you know, I think uh, has sort of figured out a little bit. Uh, but I think the Bucs can definitely push it to push it to seven. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, regardless of whether or not they win the series, I mean, there's a lot of positive takeaways, you know, for the Bucks going forward. You know, there's a lot to be excited about. I think they've put, you know, good players in place. You know, Jabari will be coming back, yep. you know, from his injury. You know, hopefully he stays healthy. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for optimism no matter what. But, yeah, I think they can definitely win game six. I think that it's uh, – you know, they can build a benefit from it. looks like it's been a good atmosphere uh, in Milwaukee. Thank so. you. We, we need all the hope we can get. We, <laughs> we appreciate it. Folks, Jeremy Wu with Sports Illustrated. Thank you so much for a few moments on the Screen the Screener podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Jeremy Wu. Writes for SI, SI.com, college basketball, pro basketball, big board. Jeremy, thank you so much for a few moments here. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to the NBA draft uh, and in the upcoming seasons. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks so much. Side. It's a seat of the